on one. You are watching the show two on one. Hello, this is the internet's top sensation two on one. I am the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I'm the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. And hey, we're the two who will be having a theological conversation with the one to be introduced in just a moment on a pop culture topic of his, her, or their choosing. We do know what it is in advance. We're expecting a marvelous guest, Teresito Matos Post. We're going to talk West Side Story. But before we do so, how are you today, Spiff? I'm good, um, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I am excited to uh, to be in a new year, to be in to posture ourselves in new ways, to think of new ways to do ministry. Um, and uh, I always really, I like newness. Um, and so I, we are living into all things new. Last week's episode with um, Nathan Russell was incredible. Yeah. And um, I'm just really also very excited to do uh, Sondheim Month. I know. Happy Sondheim month and happy, happy new year. Sondheim month and new year to you as well. And happy season of epiphany. We have shifted over now it to liturgical green. It's a season of growth. And also thanks to climate change, it's literally a season of growth. Like, Ooh, it's hot outside. Maybe I haven't really been outside today. I live here. Now. I'm staying in. But that's a different thing. Uh, but I do love Epiphany. I, you know, I think that there's something um, we are doing a series right now. I write monthly curriculum, as you all know. Um, and this year's theme is called Root. And so we are um, this month, we are rooted in discernment and um, to kind of figure out what this new year holds for us. And part of that discernment is which ways are we going to grow? Um, how are we going to like understand our roots as both stability and nurture and all of those things? Um, and roots of a physical presence, which is what I also really like, but they just can't be seen. But Arthur, do you know what can be seen? What can be seen? Your liturgical wear when you are leading worship. <laughs> Did you just Jeff one row me? I Jeff. I did it. I finally deuces. You, you Jeff, it is a new year and it's a new day. Deuces. It is the year of the deuce, by the way, being deuce, ought, deuce, deuce. Uh, but you were telling me about Jeff One Row Designs. Why don't you tell me all about her? Um, Him? <laughs> them? The, well, I mean, I, I don't know if you've looked at Jeff's uh, Instagram lately, but they are grow. They're growing as well. So I'm sure it's all the... Uh, He's them, she's all everything in between and uh expansive. Uh that leads Jeff One Row Designs, who is a liturgical textile leader, my friend. Absolutely. If you go to jeffonero.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com, uh, you can see the wide variety and catalog of stoles, chasubels, copes, altar mm -hmm. accessories, frontals, paraments, really anything you need uh in your church to convey it. Jeff Wonder Designs has got you covered, and they're celebrating 17 years of making ordinary time extraordinary, and they're doing that with a special discount code. They are. Uh, as we told you all last year, uh, you know, the two-on-one discount code was ending, and that's true. We did not let you. It was ending. It did end, uh, but you can use our new code because Jeff uh, Bing, for those of you online, uh, we will also say it is two on one, all letters, and then one five, those are numbers. Uh, so two on one 15 for 15% off your entire stole order, which is no joke, hands down the best deal that you will ever get for stoles at Jeff One Row Design. Um, he promised our listeners 
the best code and he has stuck to that word. His own viewer or his own uh, page only had 10% off during Christmas time. Um, and we still had 15. So we are always the best deal. So, and honestly, you can't do better than Jeff Wonder designs. You can't, it's legit. It's legit. I got so many, I gave people them for Christmas. I gave them, we have an ordination coming up, like all the things. They're just so great. And of course, I, maybe I'm working on a custom design for when we're together uh, in 2023, uh, General Assembly. And maybe there's a live show. Maybe there's a book. There's a whole bunch going on, Spiff. We got to like catch up at some point. You know point. what? There's definitely a book. And with that book will come a book, you know, COVID permitting will be a probably a little bit of a book tour. You and I we can go do some live two-on-ones with some of our contributors. Oh, that'd be super fun. In our Jeff One Rose Dolls. I just want to go to the Olive Garden in Times Square. I'm sorry I tried to say that with a straight face. I don't. And if I come to New York and you try to take me there, I will think it's hilarious, but we will not eat. I will drop you off and say, (laughs) bye-bye. All right. We should bring in Teresita. Uh, No, we love Olive Garden. It's fine. Um, We should bring in Teresita. When you're here on Two on One, you're also family. So let's welcome our guest today. Uh, really off the rails. Teresita Matos Post, welcome to Two on One. <laughs> We're so glad you're here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Teresita, I am so excited to have you. Uh, you and I are friends outside of Two on One, but this is your first time meeting our audience and meeting Arthur. But um, I have just been singing your praises to Arthur. But tell our listeners who you are, what do you do? Um, how they can follow, find you, support you. What's going on with you? Sure. Well, yes, we've met um, working through our demon program at Drew Theological School, which is um, has been an awesome experience. I have been a United Methodist pastor for the last six, seven years. Um, I transitioned two years ago into a non-traditional form of ministry. So I've been serving at Bethel Farmworker Ministry here in Central Florida. I serve as the executive director. And um, and my role here is to make sure that farm workers and our neighbors in need have all the essentials that they need to um, to live with dignity. And so um, part of the work that we do, it's uh, disrupting poverty in this area and uh, racism and all the things that come with that. I love the phrase disrupting poverty. Uh, that already just makes my heart sore. Uh, you're here, of course, this this is Sondheim month, uh, you know, and it's good. And we're talking West Side Story today. So why West Side Story? Why Sondheim? Why? Why? What's your relationship to Sondheim and West Side Story, D? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's, I have to say it's, it's a bittersweet type of, um, experience for us i i think for us meaning puerto ricans um you know it's 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 a white dude telling our story in many ways and so um i i had to go back and watch west side story with a, a critical lens and not so much as a consumer and i had to admit that i never knew that rita moreno was not the lead i grew up thinking rita moreno was the lead uh, because if you knew West Side Story as a Puerto Rican, you knew Rita Moreno and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I was like, oh, gee, I never realized she wasn't the lead actress, that she wasn't the main character because it was so huge for us to be represented by one of our own. Representation was 
was a thing. And you know, in so many ways, Rita Moreno has been a trailblazer in in, in all areas of, of, of performing arts. And so and so for us there was <clears throat> there has been historically a sense of deep sense of pride in the work that she's done and the ways in which she has represented us. But also she got a lot of flack, right? Um uh for playing that role and in and, and the ways in which it was portrayed not so much to her own fault, but the ways in which that stereotypes, um, uh, you know, uh, geared, right? How, how the story was told. Absolutely. Arthur, uh, you know, he's got a question. So, so I just, I'm excited to learn uh, as, as a little gay boy who watched West Side Story forever. I too only really saw Rita Moreno because she's the best part of the, actually both versions because she's Valentina in this new version. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that they, they kept her on. I mean, I think that that shares and says, once again, as white men continue to tell this story, right? Like the new script is written by Tony Kushner, who I love. Um, but again, does not represent a whole half of demographic of who it, this story tells about, but to know that the, um, what Rita has meant to so many, especially, uh, so many Puerto Ricans, um, to women, you know, like, and to create a space for her in this new film that really shines. Um, if you have not seen the new film, I highly recommend it. Um, it's well done. It's really nice. I, it, yes, there are casting problems and we can all, we can talk about all of that later and what that means. Um, but as a film, um, itself, I think it's well, it's well done. Um, and it's also interesting, like I watched it across from Lincoln Center, which is where the scene opens as they are rebuilding and gentrifying the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you become really, I mean, like just the physical ground that I am on or that I was on, it was very much a part of this narrative. And I also then recognize, oh, I'm a beneficiary of this problem. Um, and how and what do I do with that? Um, and especially as someone who loves theater, musical theater, you know, and all of that. And so, um, yeah, just highly recommend the new movie, but also, you know, it's okay to, to, to critique the things you love. Um, yeah, of course, absolutely. And for our listeners or viewers who haven't seen West Side Story, it's Romeo and Juliet, but with knives. Um, or set in the late 50s in New York City, uh, where two gangs, the Jets and the Sharks, um, deal with, well, a, a cross-cultural romance. And also, um, it is written by white guys in the 50s and 60s, and it, um, and it deals with a white gang and a Puerto Rican gang. And we'll get to the song America. You were going to say something, Teresita, and I uh, jumped in. Excuse me. Um, no, I, I just, I, I think that, um, that the idea of context, right, and, and, and the importance of how context in and of itself plays a role in, in, this, in the making of the story, right? And so the history that is told um, is very much so the stories that I heard from my family members who it, during that time migrated to the United States, right? And so for us, it's not so much entertainment but it also resonates at a deeper level in which we see our relatives being played out um in many ways the way in the ways that they cohabitated that space but also in the ways that they were perceived in that space 
And so that that has been that has been interesting in in the sense that it's really neat to see that portrayal. Yeah, I would imagine. I, 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 it, seeing your history come to life in, in uh, again, um, you know, I did ancestry. <laughs> this I am about as white as they come, and uh, so that has never been a problem for me to see in film. But to see women lead, especially like within the church and things like that, that the idea that representation matters, especially as you take a critical lens to the context in which you um, not only serve but you know, who thinks they're being served, whereas the location, you know, of your actual building um, is, we all know, like, I serve a church that's on the Upper East Side, but we do not serve what is traditionally understood as Upper East Side people. That is not who comes through our doors. And so, um, you know, to take away any sort of critical lens, I think, to really dull the spirit of God at work in a community that calls us forward and forth. And, um, and I think that that it must, in some way, uh, also kind of uh, translate to I think this film, and also, I'm sure you know I've done a little bit of like the historical research. And I'm like, oh, I like the idea, or I like learning about the idea that, you know, there's kind of these turf wars, right? Who lives where and why? Because yep, um, yep. the why becomes really important, but who becomes who lives there, and what are the other people that are? It is not just white people in Puerto Ricans. They even name it in the space, right? And or in the movie, and in I think in the text. Sorry, I've watched a lot of West Side Story, so the amount <laughs> of like uh, I I saw the new one that th- they just did on on Broadway that was like a very um, avant garde kind of piece. Um, it had cool uh, visual effects. It was not my favorite version. Um, but anyways, they named that there's just lots of that the gentrification is happening and the transitioning communities that are being both pushed out, pushed kind of north and south and all of this. It is not just, um, you know, uh, these two demographics, but it's a lot of people. Right. And so um, the question of who is not represented uh, is always a question I think we should be asking. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, and that's the nature of. Manhattan as an island, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's organic, it, it ebbs and flows and it changes. So West Side Story is pretty a snapshot of a time and a place mm-hmm. that no longer is, right? So you go to the Upper West Side, um, it's, it's no longer predominantly Puerto Ricans and, it, and Italians, right? It's so many, or Polish, there's so many other, it has transition. I believe right now it's um, mostly Dominicans and, and other cultures that have moved in as other groups flow out. So it brings us, um, it brings very much to like what the challenges that come with, with, with the changes in culture and demographics and how do we interact with each other? How do we compromise? How do we learn to coexist and live with each other when we come from so many different places with so many different cultures and traditions? And so I think the turf wars for me, uh, translate in the ways in which uh, and I know this is true for Puerto Ricans, and I can only speak from our perspective, is that is that sense of resistance um, to keeping a sense of identity in a place where we don't recognize ourselves. And so that comes that comes with with trade-offs, right? And sacrifices. And so, in one way, in, in, in the in the role that um, Rita Moreno plays as Anita, you know, you see her um, glorifying what, what what America is, right? And when it means to her, to her family. I mean, when you watch um, 
I watched a documentary on Netflix about Rita Moreno and her story. And she says, you know, once she moved out of the island, she never came back. In, in fact, she lost contact with her brother. So there's some severances of relationships and you almost have to make peace with that. And how do you keep a sense of self while also adapting to another context that's redefining you in ways that perhaps you're, you don't welcome. Mm -hmm. And so how, how, how do you become a player and a role in that space? That's always being negotiated. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. <laughs> well, no, no that's, it's really it's, helpful. It's brilliant. And I, I, I will name like I'm, I, I am a white man. I, 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 when we talk about queer theory and, and queer placement, I understand the negotiation part, but otherwise I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't consciously remember a lot of times in which I've had to negotiate and I, and I apologize. Like I, I'm just going to own that and then step away from the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there's beauty in it too. So, um, you know, when, when you, when you look at, so, so the trope of the gang, right. Um, well, yeah, welcome, you know, welcome to Latin world, you know, Latinos are in gangs, it's nothing new with that stereotype. But when it comes to, uh, we can use, uh, how can I say this, we can uh, redeem that image of the gang um, from the perspective that, um, that family members uh, thrived and make a lot of effort to keep community together. So for example, when my family moved to New York City in the 50s, they they didn't all move at the same time. They trickled in and they made sure that apartments were in the same building. <laughs> and so all of a sudden the one building had people from the same town, from the same area in Puerto Rico, and they all knew each other. And so there was a way of <clears throat> helping each other navigate the new light landscape. That was a way in making sure that people got jobs, that they knew how they needed to, um, you know, to, to live, right? And to survive in, in a city as, as, as challenging as, as it was, and it is in so many ways. A friend of the show, Shonda Jha, whenever she teaches history, she always says it's not the story of individuals who rose above, it's the story of communities that came together. Right. And sometimes like the Supreme Court cases will be one person, but it's with a community behind them. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense of if you have the same language, the same culture, the same, um, you know, I, I, it makes perfect sense. And yeah, we, what, what some people call gang, others call family. And there's right. a reason many people band together. Well, it's, it's that it, technique for survival, right? And absolutely. resistance. Yeah, uh, I did. I went to um, uh, Amy Butler and Rachel Johnson um, at when they were at Riverside put on a really beautiful um, thing for God and guns. And the thing that stuck with me that still sticks with me today, because it was like very much, you know, a lot of liberal people being like, let's do something about the guns. What are you going to do? And they brought in people from um, what was called Pico. I think it's now something else, but these men out of Oakland who are just incredible. And they were saying, you can't just take someone's guns, right? You just can't, because it's a part of who they are. It is a part of how they feel safe. It is a part of their family dynamics. It is a part of their um, economic system. And so to just take it away and not recognize that you need to replace it with something um, is is just as harmful as, um, or can be just as harmful in lots of many ways. And, um, and it, as you were speaking, it just reminded me of like, just the, the stereotypes. Well, you know, like gangs and what does that actually mean? Well, it means family. It means community. It means someone has your back when you may, you may not have a biological family or a community that has, um, 
you know, that has failed to love you well. There's someone there that, um, that sees you in a space in which you are probably often really overlooked. And so, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's this chosen family that, um, we're seeing as a recurring theme in Sondheim, I think throughout lots of it. Company is a chosen family, Into the Woods is a chosen family, West Side Story. But, you know, West Side Story is Sondheim's first musical. You know, it's out the gate. This is what he does. Um, He didn't want to, which I just find fascinating. I know. Um, But I think that it's, you know, I think it tells, he's been telling the story of um, the people who love you well, for a really long time. And I think that that's important. And I'm wondering what you all think of um, in regards to family and West Side Story. What, what might the church learn from that? Or what can the church writ large um, uh, maybe do better around that? Absolutely. I, I think that one of the takeaways from that story that I appreciate so much is that the the heart loves who the heart loves, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a point in time where, um, uh, you know, cultural boundaries or, you know, feuds or whatever it may be that once separated us can be transgressed, it can be trespassed, can be totally obliterated. And, um, and that's the beauty of it, right? That we are so entrenched in our, um, insistence of categorizing ourselves. Um, as great as groups are to keep us, you know, grounded. Um, also the fluidity of community, right? And that we learn from each other, that we um, make each other better. I think that's something that, that the church can definitely take away. And I think as churches, we have been very, stubborn right and keeping it keeping um our boundaries very strict very stiff and and not allow um for love to to move it to move and ebb and flow the ways in which love does and that we know that's the nature of love you know uh teresa hordowens was on our show a few terry hordowens i'm sorry my brain hi terry i love you i'm sorry Terry Hordones was on the show and she talked about, we ended up talking about blood songs about the preacher's wife for our Christmas episode, because that's what we did. But she said, you know, I got pushback. We get pushback about it. She goes, and in the black tradition, uh, uh, blood songs are so different and they're so necessary. And there's something about a man being lynched on a tree and his blood being shed. And that's the first time I really understood it. But yes, I mean, the, the rigidity is unless we address it and unless we look at it with a critical lens intentionally and and, and try it. And then in terms of family, I, I just want to veer off for a second into anybody's um, in this uh, film and in the 1961 version. So in the, in the original, anybody's is a tomboy and she really wants to be a jet. I never remember who's the sharks and who's the jets. I'm sorry. Uh, she really wants to be a jet and it's played for laughs. Oh, you're never going to be a boy. Get out of here. You scoundrel. And in the 2021 version, anybody's is played by a non-binary actor. Um, and it's, it's almost hard because when they're like, well, you're a girl, it's like, Oh no. And it goes from this like comedy to, harshness and and it should make i i remember reading reviews from our conservative brothers and sisters in christianity being like they shouldn't have done this wokeness anyhow and it's like okay or maybe you just feel uncomfortable for a minute right that might make love happen right right or let love happen yeah i mean i think that 
I, I think whiteness makes us dig our heels in because there we have been the right way to do things for a really long time. And so, um, going back to the blood song, um, the songs that say blood songs, the songs that use blood language in church is what we're talking about. And I was one of those people. I was like, I don't love it. I'm just going to name. It. I didn't love. And through the years, honestly, through serving the park and conversations with Terry and serving the wider church wider church, not whiter, but wider church, um, <laughs> learning that it's meaningful, right? It, for so many communities in really beautiful ways that I had just whitewashed and said, like, this has no meaning and that's not mine to do. And it is just really, um, we are better Christians. We are better leaders, faith leaders, community leaders, when we can admit or even just change change your mind it is okay to change your mind to get new information and for me to say wow you know blood language really still doesn't um hold the same meaning for me but i recognize that there are entire communities in which it is the most meaningful and for me to want to do the work of justice and to not create or hold equitable space for that as well is a is white supremacy at work in the church once more and, um, and so, you know, like all we can do is name what we didn't know and try and do better. And I think that that is, um, important, but, you know, because music tells the story of our people, our history, our future, it's the hope that we cast together. And so I'm wondering, recognizing that I'm, um, asking, and you can absolutely obviously say no to answering this because I don't want to assume you are one human being and your one identity represents you and also is uh, also you know part of a larger conversation but um what was the response in your or what was your response to the music of west side story does it ring does it tap you know puerto ricans are half of this cast it's half of the love space that is being created and does the music ring true for you? Does the music play anything into um, how you understand or see yourself in this space? I, I think that uh, in, in many ways it does. I think the dancing more does does more yeah. than the music, but I think it goes along along the way. Um, it goes together, right? Um, I think that um, that we that that you know you can't help but to it's it's so catchy and it's so it it does really truly align with with what we can recognize as as the music that translates our exp- our emotions and our expressions so for me personally that's my own personal opinion mm-hmm. I, it does and um and i appreciate it um it's it it it, it also that all, all the the other thing that i appreciate it is that it's not a caricature of Latin American music, mm-hmm. uh, but that it infuses and recognizes that um, integration, right, of what was the music of the time. And so I think I think that is complex and beautiful in that sense. I do appreciate it. I mean, it's... Wanna, it's burn, Oh, no, please. No, I wanted to make two comments. I, but Spiff, you were talking about, you know, changing your mind. Some people are not even willing to consider... <laughs> For sure. Right. So first step, like at least consider <laughs> that that there's there might be an, another perspective out there that might inform your position or enhance it. And that in and of itself is change. Uh, but I'm so I, I'm always, uh, you know, just 
I guess, frustrated with people who wouldn't even consider or just discount um, that others' opinions can influence yours in a positive way. And going a little bit um, back to, to the role of anybody, um, the church is here for anybody's. Mm-hmm. But we are always so focused on the ones that click automatically those that's easy right if you find a church space where you fit in that's easy but i see anybody trying to fit in and make you know their way into belonging to a family and really always being left on the french mm-hmm. and so how, what does that say about the role of the church of being that uh organic space that flexible space where we might consider that anybody's, anybody's really could be part of, of our family. And we find a way to hurt people first and have it in our pocket ready to go before we find a way to let go of those rocks. Right, right. Um, with with the music, Bern, it's Bernstein in his best. Like this is probably, it, I don't want to say it's his masterpiece, but it's, it's close. And you hear Bernstein and you know it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's really easy to pick out West Side Story from a variety of things. Uh, by the way, I just want to note West Side Story lost every tony it was up for to the music man <laughs> um and i love the music man but come on i don't we all know this i do not i will only see the music man that is coming to broadway because i need to see sutton foster on broadway and that is the only reason <laughs> oh sorry so you're not gonna like music man march then on two on one um <laughs> we're not doing a music I'm man march on two. it's most of the summer um no, with you can tell Bernstein from Bernstein. Okay, uh, or you pick it out immediately. And with this show, you know what? You got the boy, boy. Like there's the snapping. There's if you ask a theater person or even a person who loves theater, do a do a West Side Story jump. Like they could do it. Oh yeah. You throw your arms out and you land. So the new version, absolutely paid homage or what not i wouldn't say it was stuck it paid homage to the 60s choreography it's just like how chicago will always have fossey choreography whether it's going to or not how do we differentiate homage from um the concrete demands in the church like how do we say we're going to do a christmas pageant because we think it's meaningful as opposed to we're going to do a christmas pageant because we haven't missed one since 1961 (laughs) Mm. bring your grandkids who don't want to be here make them cry being sheep because we have to i yeah i think that that that's a good question and i think it requires something that i don't think the church is ready to do which is to let go Mm. and invite people into the creative spaces right so what would it look like to have children young people and their families reimagine what that moment was in time and translated to their real lives, I would suspect that it would bring about a lot of things that we are not ready to talk about or are not willing to look at or think about, right? We rather uh, portray the glossy, you know, rosy white, you know, rosy lens type of story that makes us feel good, but doesn't makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think the the story of of the nativities as you bring it up, right, is, is one that it's, it's, it has so many handles to disrupt <laughs> all the isms. And we, I don't think any of us are, are ready to do that. Right. It just, I mean, I'm sure that some people are doing it in some spaces, but overall we, 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 we want our feel good moment. Well, 
I wonder if we haven't taken that comfort and we haven't just shoved it into the rest of the world. I, I want to come back to what you said marvelously about your ministry, that you are disrupting poverty. Um, it's it's the, I hope our listeners know this, but in case they don't, um, the reason why food is affordable, and by affordable, I mean so affordable that you can buy three bunches of cilantro and throw two of them away, is because we drastically underpay our uh, our, 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 our farm workers. Well, it's cheap to us, but it costs someone something. It costs someone something. That's so much better. Thank you. Yeah. And so we are subsidized through the labor and suffering of others. Um, okay. I'm sorry. This is a diatribe. It will come to a question. I'm reading sure. a book right now called the end of myth from the frontier to the border wall in the mind of America. It brings up the fact that the neo-Confederate movement, or at least the Lost Cause movement, emerged because of the Spanish-American War, because it was 30 years after the American Civil War in which they were finally able to reintegrate the disgraced Confederate or ex-Confederate soldiers into it. And they had a common enemy where it wasn't uh, a, 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 a white army fighting on behalf of people of color, quote unquote. I'm grossly overgeneralizing on purpose, but rather it was a unified white army against people of color and an empire that they were then able to attack. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, knowing this, like it, it also then creates uh, issues about like our relationship with Puerto Rico. And for the last 100 and what, 13 years, is my math right? Essentially, it changes our relationship to all of this lost cause nonsense, which that's a completely different other show. But we find a comfort in a narrative that lets people benefit without realizing that it costs so many other people so much more disproportionately. And ultimately, it costs the people who are comfort the fullness of their human experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Therefore, I is it better to just like tear the bandaid off and be like, look how comfortable you are because you've been <laughs> and like you are, you are living, uh, you think your life is this big, but it's actually very tiny and there's so much more you can do. Or is it better to like gradually warm the water up on folk, like boil the frog as it were? Yeah, there's never a uh, either or, but I would <laughs> say um, that and um, I I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it work both ways. Um, one of the, I'm getting chills because, uh, uh, so one of the experiences, a simple, I mean, it doesn't require even anybody speaking. <laughs> uh, we have people, so we visit farms every week. Um, most farm workers cannot benefit from our services because they're working from sunup to sundown. Mm -hmm. And so we come to them during their lunch break on Thursdays. And so, we usually bring people with us because uh, that is a moment that is very small. It's maybe 10, 15, 30 minutes at the most, but it connects, the experience that we've had is that connects people to where their food comes from. It really connects that experience of seeing the hands and the feet that do the work and is usually a very transformational um, experience for most, if not all, our visitors. Of course, the ones that do uh, <laughs> do decide to come along already have an empathy there. There's a level of empathy, but I think it pushes it forward to for them to become ambassadors in their in their circles mm. with their friends and family members that they have seen this, that they have connected with. 
Um, and so I think that it's, it's, it's a lot of work um, to be done, but I think that every little bit, uh, whether it is the Band-Aid or even, uh, you know, boiling the frog slowly, it, anything helps better than nothing yes anything and everything helps i think that con human connection at the end of the day is that is what makes us um uh, at least touch that level of empathy and um and also knowing our history you know there's still a lot of people who don't know for example that puerto ricans are u.s citizens and they don't understand the complexities of that we had whole presidents that, that didn't know that i don't think yeah so <laughs> so you know a lot of things that i find um in america in the continental usa is that we don't know our history we we don't we don't know our history and so we can't change what we don't know that's the phrase we can't change what we don't know. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm, I mean, what I'm hearing from this conversation, which is just so good, uh, is truth plays a role in who we are as people and how we can move forward and how we set others back, you know, knowing the truth about your food, knowing the truth about the land that you are on, knowing the truth about your history, your ancestors, the relationships that they had and all of that. And I think, uh, and or I am thinking about West Side Story and how, I mean, honestly, how truth is essentially what kills them all or lack of truth. Anita, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, that she is, that um, Maria is dead, that makes tone, you know, that whole thing. Um Oh, I'm going to forget his name, but what is the the man that Maria is supposed to like date? That, huh? Not Riff. No. No, no, no. Um, he, uh, he, he's the, the yeah, he's, he's the lead, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, sorry, deuces. You're all you all know that I'm like I I don't remember, but it, um. Her love interest. Yes, her love interest. <laughs> We're just going to, it'll come to me. Um, and he kills, he kills Tony. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. whole, like, um, it is the lack of truth in where Maria is, how Maria is, that ends up uh, informing whatever his name is. It will come to us. Deuces, just drop it in the comments, you know, um, that, you know, that, he then makes this really sinful error of killing someone else on behalf of this woman that he oh, loves. Is it Chino? Is it Chino? Yes. yes. Is, is it Chino? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Chino, it is Chino who shoots Tony. Thank you. Yes. So Chino is, Chino's ill-informed, right? Like he comes to revenge Maria because he thinks that all of these things are happening or that um, what happens to Anita and just everything, right? The truth informs how we act in this world. And in today's space in which we continuously question what is truth, um, I think that there is a way in which we hold that intention with, no, not everything we have been told, especially by the church, is accurate or true, but there is truth to our gospels to love, to the message of God, to our relationships that needs to be valued in a way that we undervalue it, I think, socially. Or at the very least, that it it requires a question. Yes. Right? How often are we just asking why? Why right. do we do, you know, going back to your nativity scene, if, 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 if every service, 
I mean, now this gets tedious and laborious in ways that I just don't think any of us have time for, but it's like, if we were to say next Sunday at any random worship we go to or lead, I mean, not next Sunday, but you know, whatever, uh, why, why are we opening in prayer? Why are we singing this song? Why are we gathered? We just, a service of why, um, serves, I think, God's kingdom in a way that a service of because um, does not. Well, I think what I heard too is, you know, it's it's the truth, tomorrow the truth will set you free. I, I forget who said that. Uh, <laughs> um, but also not the truth will kill you. Like, I, and I don't think we we put both of those together. Like, it's not just the truth is life, but the not truth is not life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and too often we uh, we lie to ourselves in order to, um, well, take on the rest or uh-huh. to be able to deal with the rest. Um, yeah. So my favorite song out of West Side Story was Officer Krupke. Um, I'm sorry. I wanted to, I wanted to throw this in there because I think it's important. I, mm. I don't know how it could be done in this day and age. And I, 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 I just think if we had a 2021 version of West Side Story, would there, would that even make it in there or would it just end up with somebody having a fit? Never mind. I'm sorry. I mean, I we do have a 2021 version of it. Yes. And... I mean one set in the 2020s. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, but I... that was, that was an unnecessary diatribe. Excuse me. Well, when I when I saw the movie, um, well, the sixties version at least, I said, "Well, not much has changed, <laughs> right?" Um, so that you see, you see, it jumps out very. At least for me, it jumps out very. Um, um, uh, it's very obvious to me that the treatment, the treatment of Officer Krupke to the two gangs, even though he tries to address them both, is very different, mm-hmm. right? And so there's different approaches. The more it's a candid, more, hey, don't, don't, be, don't get in trouble to um, the one um, non-Puerto Rican uh, gang and a little bit more um, uh, aggressive, right, approach to, 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 the, to the colored, you know, uh, gang. So I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, if, if I don't think you have to change anything. Okay. I mean, yes. In my opinion, I don't know. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I just bloviated at y'all. I'm trying not to do that. As for no, you. I think, it, but I, th- you listen, police reform is a conversation we have to be having. We can't be afraid to be having it. And I think that this, the fact that this show written in the 50s and 60s uh, still very much rings true today, specifically in if we're looking let's like, you know, cast a lens on that dynamic that we can pull it and say, yep, it is still kind of the same that it is. We cannot uh, adequately talk about police reform if we cannot talk about the privilege in which whiteness plays in relationship to who is policed and what policing is. Looks like and, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, yes, Kruppi's there to be like both gangs, everyone to your own side, whatever. But it's it's like, OK, boys, you know, like oh, the, to the you know, to the Jets, the white gang in which he sees himself. Probably he's known them. He's I think he even says it like I've known you your whole life. You know what I mean? Like he is not removed from that part of the community. He just just it's a performative act that like is there and 
And then there is just the racism that is like, he is there to, to make sure that I don't even really know what, what is he there for? Who knows? But uh, <laughs> that's a whole other issue. Well, I think uh, it's supposed to be comic relief. It just never works. Yeah. I don't, if you have the power to, uh, if you have the authority in any space, I think to kill someone without question, I don't know that you are the comic relief. Precisely. And that's why it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not comedy. It's not even tragedy. No, but this is, but, but not, well, and not, not, but because yes, um, this isn't a show. I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Um, we all know how it ends. It's, if you are like, I wonder how West Side Story ends. Take a wild guess. Um, it is, you know, it spoilers, is, right? Yeah, we're a spoiler show. It's fine. Um, but we know how Shakespeare writes his, his, uh, dramas and his tragedies, but it is not all sad. It is not. And part of what I really liked, um, especially about this new version, but what I think West Side Story does well is that in spaces in which whiteness wants to say, come join us, we're doing this the right, you know, this life is is the right life. It shows real joy within like Puerto Rican communities and life in a way that white people need to see, um, in which I hope more shows and things um, share and lean into rather than just like the tropes of hardship or whatever it looks like. But there is just real joy there um, that uh, is beautiful and lovely. Captured, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that I, I didn't know this, but West Side Story was, and I think um, I read somewhere um was the one time where Puerto Ricanness was broadcasted to the whole nation or the world even, right? And so there are pros and cons to that, but I think you're right. I think the joy translated um, was captured. Um, I think it, uh, there was a, a decade ago there was a study um, that was that was done in Holland and, and I think Puerto Ricans came like number three in the people that are more joyous. Um, and like a top five up there and and it all made sense to all of us because that's that's part of that's part of who we are and so you you make um lemonades out of lemons and you just throw a party right when <laughs> so that's very party people that's that's pretty much who we are we celebrate everything and we and there's nobody who is outside of that celebration um I think that 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 was when when Anita goes into the candy store and all the boys are there, um, I think that perhaps in my interpretation that was the intention, right? Of mm-hmm. how can how can we breach the gap? And she ends up ends ends up tragically almost getting raped by by the gang, right? And that's when she says, "Okay, it's not even worth putting myself in that situation." But it's that it is that joy that allows us to even consider being friends with our enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, extending a hand, um, you know, bridging bridging the gap, and so I I think in that sense, um, West Side Story does good um, to us in, in in telling that story. Well, we've we've been a people who've been trying to bridge uh, our relationship with the United States, <laughs> and it's a love hate relationship. It's part of who we are. But uh, even before the United States came into play, our story. When you ask a Puerto Rican, you know. Well, what are you? Well, well, we're we're Span we're Spaniards, Africans, and Native American Taínos. We're very much aware that our bodies 
um, carry those three heritage heritages, and all of them are in harmony in many ways and in total opposite <laughs> sides of the spectrum at the same time. And so our bodies, our stories carry those paradoxes and those oxymorons and those mm-hmm. um, contrariedades, right? Uh, lo que es contrario, what it's opposite. Um, and so that that's who we are. And so uh, I, I see that in, in, in the, in the, in the roles, in the, in the, even the songs, right, of, of West Side Story, you see that that attempt, even sometimes failed attempts, to reconcile our identities and the peoples, the stories of the peoples that we carry with with us. And that's the church. It, yes. <laughs> and that is just, I mean, or that should be the church. That is the church at its best uh, when we can say. Each and every one of us carries the stories of our, you know, the people that have formed and informed and reformed us. Um, and and how do we, I think the earlier question that I thought Arthur was going to ask, but he asked it in a different way. But like, how do we, what, how do we hold the difference between like homage and appropriation? Mm. Um, especially in diverse company, right? Because we're looking at, if you're looking at the, uh, you know, the mid sixties of, um, I was thinking street numbers. I didn't, I realized it translated as like a decade. Um, but like, uh, where Lincoln center is, is like, you know, it's at 66th street where that's your stop. And so like these mid sixties of the kind of lower upper West side and who lives there and why, and they talk about like the housing and things like that. And right now it is the Met and it is, you know, ABT, which is just like elite ballet and the Philharmonic and all this very lovely, you know, expensive, beautiful things on a site in which real stories have been told of poverty, of immigration, of harm, of love, you know, and of all of it, um, of, of native folks, you know, that it it sits on the land of the Lenape and um, Wapenir people. And so like, how you know the church at its best if the church is is this kind of global community this kingdom um how do we say i see you i welcome you in your wholeness which includes oftentimes my historical oppression of your people and so like how do we both name that but also what does it look like to uh to move together forward and not just okay, now that I've named it, you have to forgive me, like all is well, right? We're good. Let's continue to move forward. Um, Because I think that that is uh, so often what is talked about, especially when we're like, you know, prayers of confession or whatnot. And it's just like, okay, I've named this, this sin. Um, Let's all move on. And it just really doesn't happen. And I think stories like West Side Story help us remember and um, help us remember that, uh, we are part of this larger narrative, even if um, sometimes we feel so far removed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's. I don't a- know if that was even a question. That wasn't even a question. It was just a no. statement. No, I just think I, I, I you know, uh, I don't know. You, you're, you're serving a context that has such rich um, diversity and historical, you know, and like and identity in it in a really beautiful way. Um, and I wonder if you come across 
that in your work of how to both hold space for what is and also without taking away what could be. It's 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 a very painful process. And I don't know how many people are willing to go through the pain of what it means to be humbled on the daily, right? Um, some people are willing to do that. So, but, but to... But to uh, consider your question about the difference between homage and, and paying homage and appropriation, um, I would I would say there's no easy answer. But I would say if there is someone, so it takes intention and thoughtfulness and mindfulness to even consider if in the room there's someone who could tell the story, mm-hmm. right? Who yep. could tell their own story. Um, I struggle with that on the daily because I am Latina, but I, I did not migrate it. I, I've never been a farm worker. So, but I am this ambassador, um, that at the end of the day has to fundraise for this, for this institution to be able to do what it does best. Um, and I have to tell stories that are not mine. So I have to make the ethical decision of asking permission to share the stories, um, when someone is not willing to tell it themselves. Um, and, and then the other piece, I go back to history. So I had to dig deeper and I, and I, and I found out that, um, the original, not the original, but in one of those waves, right? One of the reasons there were so many Puerto Ricans in New York during that time space is because in Puerto Rico, there was a movement that promised every single person a plot of land. And it was ill planned because there wasn't enough land for every person. So one of the strategies that they implemented was, okay, let's push them out. <laughs> and they sold that this American dream that, oh, you're going to go to the States, you're going to New York, you're going to work in the farms, you're going to pick um, the crops and you're going to get paid all this money and you will always, you'll be able to come back home when, when, when all is said and done. And that was the American dream. The American dream was to cross come here, uh, make money and always go back. Um, so when people say, you know, immigrants need to go back to where they came from, well, that's not an insult. That's what we want to do. We want to go back home. <laughs> we just can't afford to. <laughs> and so because of all the other complexities of the, of the economic political system. Um, so having said that, that wave of Puerto Ricans that came to the Northeast, were farm workers, were people who picked all the crops in southern New Jersey and upper and upper New York. And the hub was Manhattan because that was where they would arrive in the boats. So so uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. What I'm saying is, is that I had to recognize I have ancestors who were farm workers. So that gives me a place where I can tell the story from an authentic place. But if I don't know that history, I would always feel like an imposter in my role. And so, and so in many ways, I have to recall that and do my homework. Um, and I think we all have those stories. We just have to dig deep and connect with them and find ways to, um, to be part of the community. And that requires us to, um, to uh, disengage from the other, the, the otherness language narrative, right? We're all here. We're all in this land. We're cohabitating. How do we do it in the best way that we honor each other, right? In each other's stories and each other's histories. I think when that's, I think writ large, right? As faith leaders, is that not what we're in part called to do with our scripture? As we, t- if we are telling other people's story 
every single day. That's right. If you are a person of faith who reads your scriptures, you know, like there is uh, very few of us uh, that are, you know, of uh, who are historically, traditionally, you know, and like emphatically just like of that story right now. Right. And so um, what does it mean? I think to just going back to that, I think our very first, the very first question of this episode, right. Is like about context. It's like, is being able to socially locate yourself, say, you know, here's who I am. Here's where I have come from. Here is where, what I am doing and where I hope I am going. Um, and here's a story I'm going to tell. And here's where they're from and here. And, and so, and to not say that that story is my story, you know, it, but to say, that story, I am informed by that story in this way, particularly. Right. Um, and, and take it the, the step further, which is what, 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 what are we going to do together moving forward? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to dictate what is best for the community I'm trying to, to work with. It's what do they think, right? Is, is a priority. And, and so I think that churches, faith organizations, that's the biggest stumbling block. We still continue to think that we have the best answer, that the best answer is that people need to be educated, that they need to assimilate, that they need to learn English. Well, maybe not, (laughs) you know, maybe not. And so have we asked, have we asked the communities that we're trying to reach what they want, what they think is the best way forward? I think we'd be surprised that we'll find answers that we had not thought of before, but we just have to take the risk and be able to listen and follow that lead. Amen. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on two on one today. And thank you for coming to talk about West Side Story. We do conclude our episode. We have a through line through this entire season, uh, season, series, whatever. Uh, But Spiff asks it because she knows the difference between words like season and series. So Spiff. Yes, but I don't know the difference between letters and numbers, which is why you do the Jeff one rope almost. So, um, Teresita, thank you for coming on. I, um, have, I was talking to Arthur when we were talking about Sondheim earlier and we're like, let's do a Sondheim month. I was like, I have the perfect person to ask to see if she would come and talk to us and, and help tell not only, uh, your story, but like, you know, the, the story of the work that you do. I talk about your work often. Um, thank you. Because I want, I, I am so inspired by it. Um, and we can be inspired by each other if we're willing to both share and listen to the stories that we are um, telling. And so um, I'm just really grateful for you to share yours. Um, before we go into that final question, though, I just want to give people a, um, where can they support your ministry? What is like a website or something like how? Sure. Yeah, like. I will put it in a uh, in a graphic during this as well, uh, and it'll be on all the posting. But I just want to make sure that people know how to how to give to you and what you are doing. Absolutely, you can reach us at www.beth-l.org. So it reads uh, bethl.org with a dash between the Beth and the L. Perfect. Thank you very much, uh, and we'll make sure that all our deuces uh, have access to that because the work we're doing is. Um, important and inspiring and part of the greater narrative that I think musical theater um, tells and what I think, um, uh, honestly, what um, what Sondheim has done so beautifully and, um, or at least tried to, you know, we learn and we grow. But I think that um, I would say that I would imagine he uh, tried or is trying and the work 
he was about um, recreation. He always, he continued to edit his work uh, well beyond its first and final performances. And I think that we could learn something in that regard too, as we learn and grow together. So all of that being said, Spiff, shut up. Um, <laughs> what biblical theme, narrative, text, book, character, whatever, uh, are you most reminded of in West Side Story? The whole Exodus story. <laughs> But specifically, all the times in the Bible where God instructs um, the Israelites not to mingle with with the Gentiles, mm. it, that it that that that's troubling to me. All the times that God says, "Do not," right, and mm-hmm. and they 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 build this whole law and the, this whole system around remaining, you know. <laughs> isolated and not um, having that cross-contamination for lack of a better word. But we see in the biblical narrative that they fail miserably at it. And so what does that tell us about it, right? What does that tell us that we are a human, that we are adaptable, that we are not set in stone, that we grow, that we expand, that we move. And along the way, we pick up all these beautiful things that add to it that add to our lives, that add to our communities. So I, I, I see in West Side Story that, 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 that struggle of trying to remain true <laughs> to who we are, but not being able to resist the temptation to be with one another in community. And so I, that's what I, that's the biblical narrative that I see in, in, in this story. Mm-hmm. If so smart. <laughs> Because my answer was, uh, Paul always gives the injunctions of there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, or Jew nor barbarian. And I was going to say that neither is the church. We're not we're we're not Jew nor barbarian. And barbarian, by the way, is just a term for outsider. It's my favorite piece of historical trivia. Barbarian <laughs> came from they just thought all the Germanic tribes sounded like bar 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 when they spoke. <laughs> and that's the whole thing is we if we if we live in a dichotomy, we fail. Mm. Uh, we have to be an and, not an or. And I'm, I, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Spiff? I'm going to go with somewhere, like the song somewhere, as a kind of parallel to the Lord's Prayer. I think that there, or maybe even prayer in general, but if we kind of focus on, you know, the Lord's Prayer is, um, uh, this kind of posturing of how do we lean and live into the kingdom that um, we want that, you know, there's a place for us somewhere, a, pl- a place for us that it offers the hope that I think prayer is meant to um, create and to uh, build upon to say like, you know, um, regardless of your human space and where you are, your faith and the prayers, the relationship that you have to God and the conversations that you have there in the somewhere um that is a place for you always and so um that you know god or jesus telling us how to pray is i think it less instructive about like the specific words we need and more about the be in conversation with god and community because within that space you will find where you belong Amen. yes that's beautiful I love it. Uh, Teresita Matos Post, thank you so much for being with us today on 2 on 1 and talking West Side Story. It is an honor to meet you, and I hope, uh, actually, I know our deuces feel the exact same way. 
Uh, please do says, by the way, at the end of the show, go to jeffwunro.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com. Check out the catalog of stoles, of pyramids, of liturgical textiles. They're absolutely marvelous. This has been a marvelous time, too. Thank you for doing Sondheim Month. Thank you for doing West Side Story. Thank you for listening or viewing. On behalf of Two on One, I'm the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I'm the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. And I'm Teresita Matos-Post. Yeah, you are. Hey, thank you and goodbye. Get more two-on-one at twoononeproject.com. Two-on-one, you are tuned into two-on-one. That wasn't my best work, but just wait till you see what I'm doing with Officer Krupke later. I was waiting for you to be like, when you're reduced, you reduce all the way from your first cigarette. (laughs) Okay, we're restarting. Uh